Well, good evening. How is everybody? Good to see everybody. Is uh, I don't see Ed Polly in here. I was going to thank him for handling last week for us. Did a good job too. Great. Fantastic. That's super. And uh, I'm sure y'all helped him out. Chimed in with discussion or whatever. So. Uh, tonight, we need to pray for Beverly Braley. She is back in the hospital as of Monday and has fluid built up on her lungs and heart, probably related to her uh, kidney dialysis or kidney failure and the dialysis. But she said just, just pray that they'll be able to figure out something to help her. So just pray for her. Uh, some of you in the senior class probably know Luke and Mary Jarvis, uh, Dr. Jarvis. They live at Taylor Glen. They're a member of the, the Willis and Ashball class in here. Um, 97 years old, Luke. He passed away last week. And uh, the, it'll be a private family, just graveside service only in Gastonia, Gaston Memorial Gardens. And so pray for Mary and their son John and all the other family members. Um, if you didn't get to talk to Luke much, consider that your loss. He was uh, such a super guy. A medical doctor all his life. And really healthy pretty much for the 97 years. Uh, Chuck and Sharon, we want to pray for them. Hospice has been called in for Chuck's care. And also his other sister is up here now. Um, so Sharon has some help. His other sisters have gone back to Mississippi. Is that right? Mississippi. Uh, somebody mentioned tonight Logan, Robbie Peck's family member. They weren't sure if it was a nephew or son-in-law. They didn't get the family connections, but was in a bad car wreck, busted up pretty bad, and just needs our prayers. And Dennis Dooley is having knee procedure, not knee replacement, but knee procedure May 17th, I believe you said. Is that right? Okay. Uh, Mother-daughter tea tomorrow night. Some of you in here, I would assume, are going to that. Pray for that. Continue to pray for Doc Willis. Uh, terminal cancer. Uh, Barbara Zook has really been struggling for probably a year now and just <clears throat> seems to be having a very slow recovery. And then certainly, let me say tonight too, praise. The goal not only met, but exceeded. And I want you to remember Katie still. Okay. Katie Goodwin. Um, she's having extensive occupational therapy. She works in the court system there at the um, Commonwealth Attorney General Office. Uh -huh. And they're really working hard to get her, you know, they're telling her to write her schedule for a week and what <coughs> are her plans. And, I mean, that, that occupational therapy has really been good for her. Good. And then she said they're teaching her so much about the brain. I told her, I think you could be able to give a class on a brain when you get done. <laughs> She'll be here the first Sunday in June. Okay. okay. Her daughter's driving her for 
our 50th anniversary. Oh, wow. Okay. We Great. made it. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> Janelle Carroll is in the hospital. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Janelle. What's going on there? She's got some blood problems. She had, had, a, uh, had a transfusion. About two years been getting blood transfusion. I think doctor. she spells with two R's and two L's. Is that right? right? Okay. <coughs> She's been getting what now? Blood transfusions? Yeah, not helping her. Okay. Okay, I found out something. If you call the hospital about her, they don't have a Janelle, they have a nurse. Right. Yes. Okay. I R I S. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Any others? Good to see Aaron and Mindy. Here. And probably waiting to see what happens with the visas before going back to the mission field. Put Lottie Moon on there also. Okay. <coughs> we don't get the but, final until May, but we heard we heard something about five passing a goal for that for for young. Overall five billion raised. Okay. Yeah. So yes, when I mentioned Aaron and Mindy Brendel, that's them. But we generally don't tell where they are located. And it's a security issue for them. But uh, some issues with visas and having to leave the country in a period of time and maybe going back there or maybe being reassigned somewhere else. We shall see. Any kind of timetable? Well, you? we know we're stateside at least six months. Okay. And, uh, okay. Very good. <clears throat> Okay, any others? Mindy, Aaron and Mindy. Any others? Okay, Dave Phillips, would you open us in prayer tonight, please, sir? Heavenly Father, it's a, it's a great joy that we get to have this service tonight. Thank you for the opportunity of being able to pray, of having a Bible study, having a place where God is honored, where you are honored, where the Jesus Christ as our Savior is honored. We give you glory, we give you praise, and now we ask you, Lord, to give us quiet and attentive hearts, even as we uh, share together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, find Ephesians 6 again. We will finish out tonight what has been about a seven or eight part series on the armor of God. So we're completing that tonight, and the Lord willing, what I want us to jump into next, especially in this day and age, when you talk to people about the gospel and what is the gospel, we're going to start looking at the book of Galatians, <laughs> because along with Romans and Ephesians and Hebrews, Galatians is one of the main doctrinal books of the New Testament. And... Uh, you know, if you were to ask people today about being saved and going to heaven, and uh, some people have this attitude that uh, Jesus did his best and I did my best, and somehow or another both of those things are put together and I make it to heaven. A Jesus plus salvation. And boy, Paul really addresses that in the book of Galatians, doesn't he? because of the work of the Judaizers, the heretics, 
what they were saying. And so we'll, we'll begin looking at some things in the book of uh, Galatians next week, the Lord willing. But let's back up and read this whole passage again. Like I say, we'll try to finish things out tonight. But Paul says, finally, beginning there in verse 10. And by the way, when preachers say finally and go on for another 30 minutes, we have uh, biblical reason for doing that because Paul often did that. In fact, one book I think he said finally three times before he finally did close. So anyway, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, I know a lot of you listen to Dr. David Jeremiah on the radio, and you've probably been to some of his events and read some of his books. Uh, he tells the story on one occasion of borrowing a friend's car years and years ago. And uh, as a favor to his friend, he was going to fill it up before he returned it. It was a huge Oldsmobile station wagon and had an ornament on the front side quarter panel that said, Oldsmobile Diesel. Do y'all remember back in the, I think, late 70s and early to mid-80s when GM was putting some diesels in Oldsmobiles and Cadillacs and Buicks? In fact, my uncle had one of those Cadillacs with the diesel in it, had it switched out because they had all kinds of problems out of that diesel engine at the time. Well, that was the way with this Oldsmobile diesel. And then on the inside, the fuel gauge, guess what it said there? Diesel, fuel only. And so naturally, Dr. Jeremiah said, I pulled up at the gas pump, and what did I put into the car? I put in diesel, just like I was supposed to. But what I didn't realize is that the owner had done like so many other General Motors owners at the time with those diesels, they had swapped it out and put a gasoline engine in. He said, when I broke down on the main street of a village in New York, I had to explain to everyone in town why I had put diesel fuel into a vehicle with a gasoline engine. 
He goes on to write, I use that as a perfect illustration of Christians. We're human beings. We have human being written all over us, created in the image of God. But as Christians, we've been converted into something else. We were dead in trespasses and sins. But in Christ, we have been made spiritually alive. And so we don't use the same fuel that we used to. We need a spiritual fuel now. He says if you try to run your new self, your new creation self, on the old kind of fuel, you'll be frustrated. And there are a lot of Christians that haven't figured that out yet. And they spend their time wondering why they're sputtering. He goes on to say and conclude here that the fuel for the Christian life according to Ephesians 6.18 is what? It's prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the energy that makes it possible for the Christian warrior to wear the armor and to wield the sword. Now folks, we've seen our enemy in this series. We or to understand we have an enemy, a very real enemy. He's our adversary. Paul says we don't struggle simply against flesh and blood, but we struggle also against principalities and powers in high places. And so we have an enemy, Satan. And we know from what the New Testament teaches us, and we see it in the Gospels over and over, that he has a host of demonic forces with him. And so God wants us standing strong in the face of our enemy and standing in his strength alone. And so what's he do? He gives us spiritual armor, which is our, our equipment. And we've talked about these things. What is there? It's the, the belt of, of truth, right? Paul mentions that first. And then the breastplate of righteousness, that truth lived out. And then our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We also talk about the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. And we spoke of the sword of the Spirit. And how we're to take each piece of the armor and put it on and utilize it. That we might be able to stand firm in the spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. But Paul's not ready to end this discussion yet. Before closing out this discussion on spiritual warfare and the armor God gives us, he talks about prayer because... All the while that we're fighting with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, so forth and so on, we are to be praying. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down, first of all, the frequency of prayer. From verse 18, notice that Paul says there, uh, and pray in the spirit at Christmas and Easter with all kinds of prayers and requests. Right? Pray in the Spirit on Sundays and Wednesday nights at church. No. He says on all occasions, prayer is to be the constant in the life of the believer. Some years ago, I shared with you about a new 1992 uh, cover story entitled Talking to God, where 57% of Americans in 1992, we're saying they prayed at least one time a day. 32% said it gave them a deep sense of peace. 26% said they actually sensed the presence of God in their praying. 
But unfortunately, the article went on to say that only 15% feel like they're making any kind of connection in their prayers and ever getting any kind of answers. Well, folks, God wants us praying and he wants us expecting answers. And that's why he says be constant in it. Prayer's our power. There, there's no situation in which prayer is ineffective or unavailing. Now, we need to keep in mind something. No is an answer. Sometimes we think God hadn't heard and answered our prayers because he said no to the petition. Sometimes he says not yet. Or maybe he decides to answer it in a little different way. A better way. And then sometimes he says yes. But he does answer our prayers. He hears and he answers. And so we're to constantly pray. Now, again, when do we generally pray? Probably when life is hard, when we're going through some kind of crisis, when we've just been to the doctor and maybe gotten an unfortunate diagnosis. Uh, on and on we could go with trials and tribulations that we go through. And boy, when we get in those situations like that, what are we doing? We're praying. But what about when life is good? Are we being constant in prayer then as well? It's unfortunate that prayer can be reduced down to just the difficult moments in life. There should be no times that we are not praying. Now, some only pray at mealtimes. One family asked their four-year-old son to return thanks at dinner time. He thanked the Lord for all his friends. He started naming them one by one. He thanked the Lord for mommy and daddy and brother and sister and grandma and grandpa and all his aunts and uncles and cousins. He thanked the Lord for the meal that they were about to enjoy and for the meat and the bread and the dessert. And finally, he paused and looked up at his mom and said, Now, Mom, if I thank the Lord for the broccoli, he'll know I'm lying, won't he? <laughs> well, again, we're to pray at all times, not even just real times. You know, the enemy wants to keep you and me out of touch with God. He'll get us occupied with a thousand things and keep us from praying. He'll even keep you busy about the Lord's work, about ministry, and keep you from praying. You believe that? Sure you do. Because you've experienced it probably. Now folks, as you study the Old Testament, you'll find when Israel fought in her strength, she most often was defeated and discouraged. But when she cast herself upon the Lord and trusted Him, Victory followed. I think of Moses praying on the mountain and, and uh, God gave Joshua the victory over the Amalekites. I think of Joshua praying with the people as they marched around Jericho and finally after those days of marching and praying and then they shouted, the walls came tumbling down. Gideon prayed and his 300 soldiers, remember God Whittled them all the way down to 300 so they wouldn't take credit. And then they prayed and turned the battle over to the Lord and the Lord gave them victory. One of the, one of the things that strikes me about the book of Acts is all through the major sections and developments of the book of Acts, Luke records how the church was 
praying. I think of chapter 1, how they went to God in prayer while they were waiting on the coming of the Holy Spirit. Also in chapter 1, when they needed to vote on a replacement for Judas. They prayed about that. Then you get into chapter 2 and it says, They continued daily in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. Chapter 3. Peter and John are going up to the temple at the appointed times of prayer. At this point, the early Christians were still going to the temple. Uh, and that's what Peter and John were doing. You know, after persecution broke out, they sort of stopped that, and meeting in their own assemblies. But in those early chapters of Acts, they would customarily go to the, to the temple. And they're going there at the time of prayer. In, in chapter 4, we know what happened as they went up to pray. Uh, they got in trouble with the authorities. And they ended up in jail. And in chapter 4, the church is praying for the release of Peter and, and John. In chapter 6, when they needed more servants in the church. That passage that we generally refer to as the origin of deacon ministry. What were they doing? They were in prayer about that. In chapter 10, when God wanted the good news of Christ going out to the Gentiles, we find God revealing this to Peter while Peter was in prayer. In chapter 13, they're getting ready to start sending out missionaries, Paul and Silas, to the Gentiles. And they're worshiping God and praying. I mean, you can just, you just systematically, you can keep going through the book of Acts. All the major decisions and major events and actions and ministries they were doing, they were baiting everything in prayer. So again, the frequency of it. What's Paul say here in verse 18? When? On all occasions. On all occasions. How diligent are you in, in your, in your prayer time? You know, we have appointments for this and that. Do you put an appointment on your daily calendar for a prayer time? And protect that time from interruptions the way you would protect a doctor's appointment? Something to think about actually putting an appointment time on the calendar and planning some of your day around that so you'll be faithful to, to pray constantly. Secondly, I want you to see the variety of prayer. He says, with all prayer and petition. With all kinds of prayers and petitions or requests. Now, the Bible prescribes Many different postures for praying, many different kinds of prayers. Now, as far as postures, it doesn't seem like any one posture predominates. Uh, we see saints praying while standing, uh, sometimes while being seated, sometimes with the hands folded, sometimes uh, seated with the hands raised, sometimes standing with the hands raised, sometimes while lying prostrate on the ground. All kinds of different postures. There doesn't seem to be any one posture that's more sanctified or sacred than the others. Now, as far as kinds of prayers, we see the public prayers of the saints. 
We see private prayers. We see loud cries and moans. And we see soft whispers. And many different forms that our prayers can take. In verse 18, Paul says, all prayer. That's, it's, it's first here a, a very general word used. And it's broad enough to encompass just about any aspect of prayer. <clears throat> also in verse 18, he adds the word petition with all prayers and petition. And petition, of course, is what? Specific request. So pray for yourself, pray for your family, pray for your business, pray for your church, pray for your, your Sunday school teacher, pray for your pastor, pray for your own testimony, your own witness. Pray. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great British Baptist pastor, once said, Asking is the rule of the kingdom. It is a rule that will never be altered. God will bless Elijah and send the rain, but Elijah must pray and ask for it. God will deliver the Jews, but Daniel must pray about it. Can you imagine your child coming to you and asking for something that you know they genuinely needed? Nothing selfish about it. They needed it. And you had it to give. And yet you said no. James and James 4 says you have not because you ask not. We're to petition God for what we need. One of the greatest military defeats in the Middle Ages was the defeat of the Knights of Charlemagne in the Pyrenees. What's sad about that is it was so unnecessary to defeat. Roland, the commander of Charlemagne's rear guard, could have called for help from the main body of the army simply by sounding his horn. That's all he was supposed to do if he needed help. But he refused to do so. His pride held him back. He failed to call for help for, for his secret resources, the rest of the army, because he feared that it would make him and his company of troops look weak. So what happened? They ended up being massacred because of one man's pride. Folks, Christians suffer. Maybe they think, you know what? I can, I can do this. I can handle this. I don't need help. And then what happens? Sometimes disaster. Now, since we're talking about variety of prayer, I, I know a lot of times we in church, and, and I, I think it's good, you may have other words too, but one, one word that you can use is the word acts as you pray. So what would the A be? Adoration. Exactly. Don't just come to God saying, God, give me this and give me that. Spend some time in worship and adoration. Praising God, adoring Him. 
If you focus on God in adoration, you're going to be less inclined then to ask God for things that you know are not within the scope of His will. Listen to what David says in Psalm 104. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering thyself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the chariots, uh, the, the clouds rather, his chariot. He walks upon the, the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. <coughs> I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. What's David doing? He's spending some time in adoration to God. And then what's the C? Confession. Confession. You know, we think of David in Psalm 51, don't we? After his sin with Bathsheba has been revealed. And he goes before the Lord and says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the greatness of thy compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. So you're justified when you speak. And you're blameless when you pass judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. But do you remember what David said in Psalm 32 about before he confessed his sin? Anybody remember that? He was the most miserable man on the face of the earth. And he talks about that in Psalm 32, how that sin had just eaten him alive inside. And then in Psalm 51, he confesses his sin. And what's he end up asking God? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. What's John say in 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to cleanse us of our sin to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession. And then the T. What's the T? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, In everything give thanks, even for broccoli, right? In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Psalm 104, oh, excuse me, 103. David says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion? Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He'll not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. 
He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. So David is saying all these things right here are why I'm blessing the Lord, while I'm, why I'm thanking Him, and I'm not forgetting anything about His gracious provision. I mean, just, just take time to stop and think about some of your blessings. And then supplication, the S. We talked a moment ago about request, so we won't cover it extensively again, but I do want to say as we make our requests made known to God, we need to be expected, don't we? I, I think of a story about a children's Sunday school class writing to international missionaries. Uh, the teacher uh, prefaced the assignment by telling the kids, said, now kids, these missionaries are busy. And it's important that they hear from us and we write them notes of encouragement. But they're busy. Don't necessarily expect an answer. Well, you can only imagine the surprise of one missionary when he received a letter from one of these children, and it said, Dear Dr. Reverend Smith, we are praying for you, but don't worry, we're not expecting an answer. <laughs> Well, thirdly, let's talk about the manner of prayer that we see in Scripture. We, first of all, we can talk about it being corporate. Right here, who's Paul appealing to? The Ephesian church. He's appealing to them to pray. James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary on Ephesians talks about an extensive study he did one time on the gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in the New Testament. And if you were going to study about spiritual gifts in the New Testament, what are some of the passages that you would turn to? 1 Corinthians 12-14. to 14. What else? What's one of the main ones that you all are trying to Romans chapter what? 12. Romans chapter 12. What would be another one? That talks about things like evangelists and pastors and teachers. What? Ephesians 4. And then also Peter in 1st Peter 4.10 talks about gifts. Those, those are some of the passages. Boyce mentions that prayer is not in one single one of those lists. And that's because prayer is not a gift of the Spirit for only those who have that particular gift. Prayer is incumbent on every believer, regardless of your spiritual gift. Whether you're a teacher, a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, whether or not your gift is that of service and helps or giving or showing mercy or leadership or administration, whatever your spiritual gift is, your gift ought to be exercised with prayer. 
And prayer was listed as one of the gifts, and somebody said, you know what? He's got the gift of prayer. I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't have to pray. Not only corporate, but we could say also, it needs to be in the spirit. Paul talks in Romans 8, 26 and following about sometimes we go before God and we honestly, our, our human weakness is displayed by the fact that we, we know we ought to be praying about a situation, but we don't know exactly how we ought to pray. Should I ask for this or this or this or this? And we don't know. And Paul says that characterizes our humanity even in prayer. But Paul said in times like that, we know that the Holy Spirit is making intercessions for us. And he perfectly knows the mind and heart of God because he's the Spirit of God. And he perfectly knows us because, again, he's sovereign God. And he perfectly knows the situation and the best way that situation ought to be handled. And he's able to bring all these things together in the most perfect of all supplications. So our prayer is dependent on the Holy Spirit's aid in our intercession. And then Paul mentions here also another, another thing about the manner of prayer. Alertness. Notice that he says here, be watchful in it. The NIV says with this in mind there in verse 18, be alert. Be watchful. Be alert. As I was suggesting a moment ago, guard your prayer time. There's so much to interrupt it. Guard it. Be watchful in it. Be protective of it. John Wesley, I, you know, I'm always going to think about that. John Wesley one time said, a day without four hours of prayer was a wasted day. And think of what all John Wesley did. One of the most active evangelists and missionaries church history has ever known. He had to ride on horseback. I mean, he had to lot, go through a lot of things our conveniences help us with. A day without four hours of prayer, Wesley said, was a, a totally wasted day. Be alert in it. Be watchful. And then Paul mentions here, Perseverance, be alert, and always keep on praying. Perseverance. Remember what Jesus said about this in Luke 18? Jesus told a parable about a widow lady who had nothing going for her in the sense of the world's power or wealth. Somebody had done her wrong, and she went before an unrighteous judge. And judges back then were, could be bribed. Uh, so she goes before this unrighteous judge and he won't, he won't hear her. And all she has going for her is persistence. And finally the judge says, lest she blacken my eye. That was an idiom for saying, this lady's going to end up ruining my reputation. <laughs> he said, I'll give her what she asked for. And Jesus says, listen to what the unrighteous judge said. And will not God answer his children? Jesus wasn't comparing the unrighteous judge with God. 
He's contrasting. Because he's saying if an unrighteous, evil, wicked, corruptible, bribable, earthly judge will finally be moved to persistence, how much more will the good and gracious and benevolent and holy God grant you your request? But then Jesus closes out by saying what? It's a rule in parables, rule of interpretation. Some of them, you see it in some parables, not in others. The end stress rule. Punchline comes at the end. Jesus says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, will he find... He doesn't say, will he find prayer on the earth? What's he saying? Will he find faith? What's the implication? Takes faith to pray. Takes faith to pray. When the Son of Man finally does come back, is he going to find people with faith, faith enough to pray and persevere in it? And then finally, Paul mentions here with others in mind, he says, keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me. Think about this. Here was one of the greatest personalities in all of church history. Most of our New Testament was penned by Paul. And yet, what does he appeal for? He appeals for prayer. And he writes to these folks, this church, that he had spiritually instructed and instrumental in their Christian faith and their Christian growth. And yet he says, I need you praying for me. And then he goes on not to just say, you know, pray for me for my aching knees or back or my headache. It's not wrong to pray for physical things. Well, pray about those too. But a lot of our prayer meetings become organ recited, right? The Lord touches heart and his kidneys and his liver. But what's Paul saying? Pray that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. He wanted folks praying for him in this regard. Now, think about the book of Ephesians a moment. Where does it start? If you were to go back and read the whole book of Ephesians tonight, Starts in the heavenlies, doesn't it? We've been chosen by God. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We've been made alive. We've been called. We've been gifted. We've been blessed. We've been equipped with spiritual armor. That's how it begins. But how's the book of Ephesians end? by pulling us back down to our knees. Paul reminds us that it's as good as done, the salvation we have in Christ. We're in the heavenlies with him, joint heirs. But in the meantime, we're in spiritual battle, warfare, and we're in this world that's against God. And so he pulls us down to our knees reminding us to pray and pray constantly.
Maybe you'd be one of those I spoke of earlier tonight about that Newsweek poll. That you just don't feel like a connection is being made. Could it be some unresolved, unrepented of sin in your life? David said in Psalm 66, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. Is there some sin that you're in bondage to? and It's affecting your prayer life. You need to deal with that. But if you're clean before God, then you can know He's hearing and answering even if you don't always recognize the answers or even if you don't get the answer that you want. He's answering. Maybe there's a real selfishness to your prayers that you need to change. And I would just encourage you to keep up in your Bible reading and, you know, we learn who God is and how He acts, what He does as we read the Scripture. Through Scripture reading, take note of what's important to God. And pray about those matters. Pray about matters that you know are the will of God. Do you spend time praying for the saints and for the advancement of the gospel? And that when anybody stands to preach or teach or witness or whatever, that they'll be granted clarity. And that the Holy Spirit will use their scriptural teaching to bring about salvation for those needing to be saved and sanctification for those already saved. But pray for the saints. And obviously, if I'm speaking to somebody who doesn't know Christ, then that could be on Wednesday night. Let's not assume that everybody knows Christ. But your prayer simply needs to be, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I, I need a relationship with you. God, I, I need to be saved. I need to be born again from above. I need to be quickened. I need to be made alive. I don't need to just... Just be a church member alone or do all the right things at the right time in my mind. I need to be regenerated. I need to be born from above as Jesus talked to Nicodemus about. God, would you do that in me? That needs to be your prayer if you don't have that relationship. That's where you need to start. But again, if you know that's in place, guard, guard that prayer time. And make sure you are praying about things that matter to the heart of God. And that you're not just selfishly asking for things, as James says, that you can devote that to your own lust, whatever those lusts might be. But pray constantly. Pray without ceasing. Some things we can't change. We are in spiritual warfare until Jesus comes. But we, we can change how we deal with that spiritual warfare, how we face it. You try to face it in your own strength, and that's a losing battle. Or you can face it in prayer. Keep alert in it. Any comments before we close tonight? Anything that you picked up on that I missed?
it's not just for information's sake, but for transformation. Right. That's a good point. The passages you read in your devotion time, whatever that, whatever's in that passage, are you praying about that? Instead of just reading those passages and then you close your Bible and you go off praying about other things, kind of double back around to that passage. Is there something from that passage that I need to be incorporating into my prayer life today? One of our children asked us, asked me, I don't know what to pray for. You know, and I don't know how to pray. And I said, well, you just take, take a scripture. Like say, say John 14. I go to prepare for Christ. Thank you, Father. For, sure. You know, to pray the scripture. <coughs> and thank God. And, you know, yeah. because then he teaches you, even through that, he teaches you how to pray. Sure. And that persistent prayer. We've had to do that for kids. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and the Lord's answer. You know, if you commit to five minutes a day, you're going to find out pretty quickly. As you get accustomed to that, it's not enough. And maybe you're praying 15 minutes, then maybe 30. Uh, so maybe start out small. But you're going to find that if you're Constant in that, it's going to just naturally grow. When you start thinking about everything you ought to be praying about, um, it'll grow as, as you grow in your own prayer life. Well, we certainly, we've seen God answering prayers through Katie having that uh, brain <coughs> aneurysm. Certainly. I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's, witnessed a miracle. Most don't doctor, survive that. Yeah, the doctor even said it's a miracle. Yeah. yeah. And we're so, so thankful. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to thank him enough. Sure. get us started tonight in our intercessory prayer time for these. You can volunteer or I can appoint you. Oh, did he? Okay. <laughs> Who gets started? Anybody? Any volunteer? I think Kathy ought to. Get a story, Dad. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just 
people and just just fellowshipping together and just feeling the love for each other in this room. It's just so wonderful, God, that we have a place, a sanctuary that we can come to and we can laugh together and we can worship and yes. we can read your word and, and you can just feed our souls, God, and we're just so grateful for it. We pray that you would protect this freedom, this opportunity that we have, God, that it would never be taken away from us here in America, that nothing would happen that would prevent us from gathering when we want to, to worship you, God Almighty. Tonight, Lord, our hearts are very heavy for Chuck and Sharon. They're talking to the hospice people. Uh, we know that Chuck doesn't have a, a whole lot of time left. We don't know if it's a day, a week, a year. We don't know, God, only you know that. But we do, do know this, Lord, he is suffering. And I guess most of all, God, I pray that you would that you would make Chuck comfortable as far as his physical condition, that he wouldn't suffer and that he wouldn't have to struggle for his breath, God. I pray that you would give him peace of mind, God, knowing that you are with him every step of the way. I pray that you would give Sharon strength over she is so tired. She's tired physically. She's tired mentally. She's just tired, God. So much is on her shoulders to nurture and love and care for her husband. And I pray, God, that you would give her just supernatural strength. Even now, God, that you would just lift her up, that you would give them both wisdom as they make the decisions that have to be made um, as, as they go through this process, Heavenly Father. I know you're with them, God, and I pray that you'll just give them both peace. Pray for Beverly, my goodness, God, all the things she's gone through, struggling for breath, and they drain the fluid off, the fluid comes back, and, and the dialysis doesn't seem to be doing what it's supposed to do, God, but I know you know all about it. And God, that gives us peace. That gives us peace of mind, knowing when we're so worried and we're so heartbroken over her condition, that we know she's not alone, that we know you're still on the throne, God, and that nothing happens in our lives that you're not aware of, that you haven't had planned from the very day you wrote our name in your book when you created us. And God, I pray that you would just help Beverly too, give her peace of mind, give her physical strength, and we pray for Jim too, Lord. You know what Jim needs, Heavenly Father, and I just pray that you will be to Jim all that he needs you to be right now. And for Chris and Cindy and, and Jennifer, Lord, if they minister to them, I pray that you give them strength and wisdom in making the decisions for them. And all the other people on our prayer list, Lord, I, I know that Jarvis family was so sad to lose Dr. Luke, whatever treasure he is. And I pray, Lord, that you'll comfort them and just cause them to know that he's in heaven with you right now and that everything is okay and all the names on our prayer. Well, thank you for Katie and how well she's done, Lord. We know your hand was on her as you healed her and she's gone through this therapy and we pray, Lord, that you would just restore her to 100% health, God. We know, God, that whatever our need is, whether it's physical, whether it's mental or spiritual or emotional, God, we know that you have all the answers. And we pray, God, that you would help us as humans who always want to do things our way. Help us, Lord, to submit to you. 
we bow our heads in prayer, God. Help us to bow our hearts, God, to just being in submission to whatever your will is. And then, Lord, as we seek your will and we yield to your will, we pray that you will open our eyes and help us to see what our part is in all of that. Help us not to go full strength ahead doing what we want to do our way, but help us always to look to you for strength and guidance. Lord, I want to pray for Richard tonight. I know that you are healing his foot and that it's getting better and better, and I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would grant Richard complete healing on the, the physical needs that he has on his foot, God, because I know that you have great plans for Richard and Kathy as they minister here in the community, and I pray, God, that you would give him healing. So many people, God, so many people hurting, Right now, there's so many people lonely. I don't know what's going to happen. They're scared over COVID. I pray, God, that you would just make your presence known stronger than ever before. And we know, God, that you do that through us, your Christians, through your children here on earth. I pray for boldness as we live from day to day, that we wouldn't let a single day pass, God, that we didn't witness and tell somebody yes. about Jesus and about how he died for us and how he loves us so, and that he can give us all just a sense of peace that even here on earth in this spiritual battle, God, and you know it's a battle. It's a battle with kids and grandkids and neighbors and everybody, God. You know it's a battle. But we thank you that even in the midst of the battle, we can be seated in heavenly places, God, with you by our side. And I just praise your name for that tonight. I thank you again, God, just for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for your word, how we how we treasure it, and how we just thank you that we can sit down and hold it in our hands and read the words over and over and how the promises give us strength every day. Again, Father, thank you for all your blessings. Lord, we love you tonight and we praise you. And we pray that all our thoughts and actions and deeds might be honoring unto you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Father, we want to thank you for so many answered prayers in our daughter's life, Lord, and how she gives you all the glory. And Lord, help us to never, never miss a chance to praise you. And then, Lord, tonight I want to lift up Dot Willis. She has been an inspiration to us seniors for so many years. She's done so much work. She's been so faithful. So, Lord, I just beg you to let her journey into heaven be one without a lot of pain, dear God. We know the prognosis isn't good. But, God, you can make this trip easier. And so I just pray you'll be with God tonight and in the days to come because we do not know, Lord, you might have her here a month. And you might let her be here a year. We don't know. But God, I just beg of you to make it an easy journey into your home. She has worked so hard for your kingdom, and we praise your name for her. In Jesus' name.
Father, I think about several years ago when uh, there were couples and families trained, appointed, ready to go to the mission field, but there was a lack of funds. And that was announced in the churches. And Lord, we've seen recently how funding for Lottie Moon has, has reached record levels. And uh, people have been able to go on with their appointments. Lord, we know that Aaron and Mindy are facing a hurdle because of a, a country and visas and the renewal of those and all that goes with that. God, you can overcome that barrier too or you may have another answer for them. I think of Paul as he talked about repeatedly trying to go one direction and it just wouldn't work out. And then he saw that Macedonian vision that night of the man saying, come over here and help us. And he said that I concluded that the Spirit of the Lord was calling us in that direction. Lord, that may be the case here. We don't know. But God, you know. Whatever the hindrance, you can overcome it and make their direction clear. And we ask you to do that. Father, we do want to pray for these on the list that are going through sickness and those who've lost loved ones, that you comfort them and fill the void that's in their lives. and Shepherd each of these persons and, and their families through these valleys and these times that they're in. Bring encouragement to them. Lord, help them to keep their eyes on you and trust in you. Lord, we know that you're the wonderful counselor and the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. You're the refuge, the tower of strength, and a present help in time of trouble. And you're the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions. Not only that we might be comforted, but that we might turn around and help somebody else who's going through that same trial. And we can tell them about the comfort we received in that. Lord, in all of these things, we just trust in your complete sufficiency. Undergird these that we're praying for with the strength beyond anything that they possess on their own. Lord, we pray for the weekend services that the mothers would, would know how much they're loved and appreciated and also that they would be challenged to press on and grow in their faith and the example they're leaving for their children and grandchildren. For the mother-daughter tea tomorrow night, Lord, work your work in that. Prepare all of our hearts that our eyes would be open and our ears open to invitations you give all around us and that we might be faithful to step in and do what you would have us to do. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.